Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hey, mamacita, welcome to the Mamas con Ganas podcast. That's mamas as in, hey, mama, y te traemos episodios para que tengas las ganas de motivarte, surgir y triunfar. Don't be a mama con drama. Let's be mamas con ganas. I'm your host, Valentina Izara. On this episode of Mamas Con Ganas, I'm interviewing life and love coach Melanie Clark. Welcome, Melanie, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, mamacitas. Yes, we have a hot topic today. Yes, I'm bringing this on. You know, everybody around the world, and particularly in the U.S., the topic of racism is something we really can't ignore right now. Um, And I don't think we can tiptoe around the subject anymore. And so I wanted to bring someone on who I know would bring a lot of love and light to the subject. And it's my dear friend, Melanie. Melanie's actually my husband's life coach and she lives in California. And my husband and I always say, you know, Melanie is every time you get on the phone with Melly, you leave feeling a little bit lighter, a little bit freer and a little bit with more love inside you. So thank you so much. I love it's such that. an honor. It's such an honor to have you here. Um, you know, I wanted to talk about the subject Uh, with my mamacitas because I think a lot of times in our culture, in the Latino culture, um, there are times where we even say that racism does not exist. Mm -hmm. And we are not sensitive to the fact that it actually does. It's very much infiltrated in our culture. Yeah. Uh, Sadly so. And, uh, you know, we need to talk about this. So Melanie and I actually wanted to share tips. Number one, we're going to be sharing tips about how to raise loving kids that are tolerant and accepting of others' differences. And we wanted to share some tips. I'm going to leave the mic up to Melanie because Melanie can take it on from here. I know her. (laughs) So, um, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for um, having us on. And I want to explain to your audience that um, I'm actually biracial which means that I'm half black and half white. So I have a really interesting bird's eye view of racism because I grew up in both cultures. So um, I was born in the 60s and in the 60s when I was born, um, it was illegal for a black man and a white woman to be married or have a relationship. It was illegal. Yeah, it was illegal. Wow. So I was actually born in the Fresno County Jail. My mother was arrested um, for being pregnant with a black child. Um, She was arrested. I was born in the jail and I was immediately sent to foster care because my mom was white and they didn't want her to have a black child. So she was not allowed to take a black child home. They sent me to foster care to live with a black family. Um, I my mother could visit me. My father could visit me. And then um, when I was about four years old, the state gave me back to my mom. The laws had changed. Um, She fought for me. She got me back. She had some issues herself. She wasn't a saint. So I don't want it to sound like it's all racism, but it was very racially motivated. 
So here I was growing up in a black family until I was four years old. So I had that experience. Then I went to go live with my white family, which was my mother and her, all of her family. And a lot of them were racist. So here I'm this black child in this white family. And my grandfather would say things like, where are the little black girls at? And um, my grandmother would say, you girls don't play, because I have a younger sister, you girls don't play in the front yard. Um, because the neighbors are already complaining we have black kids in our family. Oh so I was very aware of the fact that I was different than my white family. Um, and then my dad's family, who were black, were very different than my white family. When I would visit my dad, my dad had become a black Muslim because he was an activist and he was trying to fight oppression. He was part of the civil rights movement. So I had all this civil rights information coming at me as a child. So I literally remember being a little kid and hearing the conversations about racism and experiencing it myself. And it was a tough position because my family is white. I love my family, right? They love me, but they, even though they loved me, we still were saying and doing racist things. And I'm 53 years old and it still happens sometimes. So. I understand that racism, sometimes people don't even know when they're being racist. Absolutely. And they don't know when they're teaching it to their children. So I'm thrilled to be on this podcast with you and talk about some of the ways that we can use language with children um, and start to change some of the narrative that we hear in this country. And right now, what, what the Black community is fighting for is... There is systemic racism in the police department. The police were actually created to police um, black people after slavery ended because um, white people were upset they lost free labor. So they created Jim Crow laws and all these laws to police back black people and arrest them unjustly so they could put them in chain gangs and put them back in slavery. And so there's a whole list of behaviors that go along with police that they still use today. It's ingrained. And ingrained. that's what we're fighting to change right now. Absolutely. Actually, it's interesting because my sixth grader uh, mm-hmm. this year, he was studying um, post-Civil War. Uh-huh. And I, was, I happened to be with him in the day they were talking about this. And I, I, I'd learned about the Jim Crow laws for the first time. sitting next to him because they were being taught. And and then you were, you know, the teacher was very good at basically showing the students all of the things that they were trying to do. Like even once the slaves got their freedom to keep them like oppressed. Yes. 100%. 100%. And so when we say it's systematic racism, like there was a whole list of things that were okay and not okay. So for example, um, if a cop said something to a black person on the street, the black person could not talk back and ask, why are you asking me where, what I'm doing here? They could be arrested for that. That still happens. We see white people doing it all the time. What are you doing here? And the law was all white people could police black people. And that's why black people get so infuriated when a white person is like, what are you doing in this neighborhood? Why are you here? We see that, right? We see it in the videos. What are you doing here? That's part of the narrative that White people are superior to black people and we get to police them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And the other thing is I feel like people still don't realize like just how recent this is. It's not, that's the most incredible thing. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was listening to the, um, 
Maya Angelou's talk with Oprah on Sunday, on Super Soul Sunday, they were doing a rerun on it. And I was listening to her and she was saying that her great grandmother had been born a slave. I mean, when you have somebody in your lineage that you can remember that was still born unfree. I mean, I just, I get goosebumps because we, all the stories we get from our grandmothers, that stuff stays in, 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 in our memory and it affects us in a big, big way. 100, 100%. And you know, um, it's not that long ago. And part of the problem is it's ugly. It's really ugly. Yeah, it's and so it's, ugly. And people don't want to look at it. We don't want to look at ugly. But the ugly is still being perpetuated. So we have to look at it. Like I'm, I'm a huge believer of positive energy and love and acceptance for everyone, like 100%. But I also recognize to shift something energetically, we have to have big energy and we have to look at it. We have to say, this is what it needs to be instead. And we need to transmute it. And part of the problem is we haven't been willing to look at it in this country. It's like, no, it's not there. It's not there. It's not there. And I get it because it's ugly. People don't want to look at it and they don't want to be associated with it. Right. Um, and that's why when we talk about white privilege, a lot of times white people are like, I'm not privileged. I struggle too. No, it's not that. It's the fact that these, these, um, underlying beliefs about your worthiness do, or do not affect you. People do not look at you and judge you immediately by the color of your skin. You have the privilege of moving freely about this country without that type of judgment and suspicion. And so it's, it's a really hard thing to unpack, and it, but I'm, I'm encouraged. Like I know it's uncomfortable right now and there's a lot of violence but sometimes things have to be torn down to be built back up. So absolutely, yeah, and it's a so subject many. of a lot of shame. It's it's not yes. just charged heavy; it's heavy. But there's a lot of shame behind it. I think yeah. also from from people that are not black. You know, there's a lot of shame when you see your and you and you. And the same thing with the Nazis and the Germans. There was a lot of shame in that as well. I mean, all of these subjects bring back, like you said, things that are so uncomfortable to, that you'd rather sometimes put it behind the curtain rather than like open it and bring it to the light, but we need to do this. This needs to be yes. talked about. It's like Absolutely. enough is enough. Absolutely. Because if we don't talk about it, it just continues. And one of the reasons we're so frustrated in the black community is we keep, we, we, we felt like we're trying to tiptoe around the subject to not make you uncomfortable, but we're being killed. So how do we, how do we tiptoe around your feelings um, and then still save our babies? How do we do that? We can't do that anymore. We have to, we have to kick and scream and let you know you're killing us in the street and um, it has to change. And so how do we change things in this society? We look at the laws. We really dig deep. We um, acknowledge the pain of other people, even if we can't see it. All you have to say is this, like, this has been great. I've had so many of my white clients, friends um, reach out to me and say, I don't get it. I don't understand. What do I need to do? How do I get it? Can you help me? And it's and it's gonna like what we're gonna talk about here today. You've got to educate yourself. You've got to acknowledge that it's there. Um, I've been getting calls and texts saying, "I'm so sorry about this. I didn't know. I don't understand it. I don't see my own blind spots." And I'm like, "That's everything to me. Like just that, because you can't change something until you acknowledge it, right?" And so starting Absolutely. to acknowledge it and say. I, I want to, I stand with you and I want to be part of the solution. Everything. That's a game changer right there. That right there. If you just do that and, and just admit, I don't know, I don't get it. That's fine. 
Yeah, you know, we don't I, expect I, you to get it, but exactly. just don't say it's not there. It's not there, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with sexism. I mean, mm-hmm. some I get so upset sometimes when men like they try to deny that it exists in our society, and it's like, yeah. what are you talking about? It is so, and in the Latino culture, but the machismo is so ingrained, and it's yes. and it really does. It's something that really affects us in a and makes us feel like down and 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 just and frustrated and you just want to like scream from the top of your lungs. Like I can't even imagine, you know, uh, with this going on. And I just feel like, I mean, George Floyd, you know, rest in peace that we cannot let him like name go down in vain. Like this to me, it's like, this is just like, this is not, it's not tolerable. And um, yeah, we need to, and I have a question for you because I know a lot of people that are not, that are not African American feel like um they they tiptoe around the subject too because they also don't know what to say and they also i've I've had some friends who said man i put something out there and then the the first response i get is well you don't know what it's like and and they're like like i know i'm i don't know what it's like but then we it's like we feel like if we speak out that we're going to be judged and if we don't speak out so how do you think like what do you need from us Mm -hmm. in order for like solid for you to feel solidarity because i think at this point i've never seen for example as many you know non-african americans get involved and speak up and say you know enough with this yeah it's so encouraging right Mm -hmm. and it's that just i mean just being able to say i stand with my african-american brothers and sisters i stand with my black brothers and sisters i stand with black lives matter black lives do matter um not saying all lives matter. Like this is a tough one. I, ah. I know, you know, people get very riled up about it. And um, the thing that I've seen that I think is so great is, you know, saying all lives matter when someone says black lives matter is like saying every house in the neighborhood needs to be watered down by the fire department, but only one house is on fire. Like all houses matter. No, there's one house on fire right now, and we're trying to highlight that it is not being treated as if it matters. So when you say all lives matter, you're negating that. You're saying, don't look at that. Your life actually doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because all lives matter. You're just lumped into that. I don't even see you. No, you're not different. No, nothing's happening to you. So by saying with us, yes, Black Lives Matter, and I stand with you, that support Um, no justification. You don't need to justify anything. Just say, I hear you. I see it. I get it. This is not okay. I stand with you. That is it. We don't need more than that. Um, also I want to say for the most part, people in the black community are not, we're not mad at white people. Like we're not looking at every white person like, Oh, you're the problem. You're racist. We get it. We get that. This is programming. We get that. This is part of the history of this country. We just want it to change. We don't want to blame you or be mad at you. So just have the conversation and say, whoa, I see it. I get it. I stand with you. Let's change this together. That's all. That's all we need. Absolutely. And talking about the reprogramming, let's reprogram our families. Reprogram. (laughs) You know, um, I was thinking about this and um, I think it's such a great, you know, topic and great way to um, to start this conversation. So I want to start with um, last year. Last year, um, my husband Anthony, who is African American, um, 
he's been really studying like racism and um, African-American history for about the last 10 years because he's wanted to come up with a solution. So he's educated himself. And um, last year he started a nonprofit called True Legacy Foundation. And True Legacy Foundation is really about um, getting DNA kits for African-American youth so that they can find out their lineage in Africa, so they could find out where they come from. And one of the reasons he wants to give them, gift them that is because the narrative about black people is so negative in this country. So he said to me, and I remember this, I experienced this too, in school when we're kids, and we talk about the world, we talk about the Ming dynasty, we talk about all of the, the great cultures and their contributions mm -hmm. to society. And then when it comes to black people, it's slavery. And Africans with no shirts on, um, we're portrayed as animals. And it's that, it's that yeah. right there. If we can change how we teach our children about black culture, we can change the narrative because we start out, it's embarrassing, it's degrading. So what happens to children, this is how it starts. What happens to children, they learn that in school and then they tease other children afterwards. Oh my God. It, it becomes like, ha ha ha, you guys were in Africa. You guys are like monkeys. And it's all these negative things because they're being educated that we're less than. But here's the thing, it's not true. There was science in Africa. There's literature in Africa. Africans build pyramids. There's such a rich history and culture that it's, it's not- It's the cradle of humanity. It's the, we're the <laughs> core of humanity. We and all have African in us. <laughs> all have African in us. It's the motherland. So I think like bringing that into the awareness of our children and teaching the beauty of all cultures and not starting our narrative at slavery. That is not our truth. <laughs> that is not who we are. And not only do we need to educate our own black children about that, but all children yes. need that education across the board. That's number one. So if you have children, letting them know that black people have contributed a lot and they are awesome and they are a huge, important part of our society. Celebrating that, I think, is number one. Number two, um, I've heard so many people and recently people have said it to me and I'm like, I'm going to have to address that. <laughs> um, I don't see color. Don't say that. Please don't say I don't see color because what huh. you're saying is I don't see you because it's uncomfortable to see you. That's what that feels like to us. Tell us you see us. I see you're black and I celebrate your blackness. It's beautiful. I love it. It's okay that we're different. We're still all human, right? But don't tell me you don't see me. I don't see color at all. First of all, it's a lie and we all know it. <laughs> 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 Second of all, <laughs> it's diminishing me, but I get the sentiment behind it. I get what you're trying to say. Like, oh, that doesn't even matter to me. I get that. But I'd rather say, I'd rather hear, look at, you know, I see that you have dark skin and I have light skin and it's awesome. Both of us are awesome. That's fine. Teaching our children that. So one of the ways that we can do that is in how they play, right? 
So if you have children that play with dolls, buy them multiracial dolls. Don't just buy white dolls or if that is so cool. Yes. You know that my son, so we're Catholic Christian, but mm-hmm. I put my son in a, in a Jewish school, uh, uh-huh. for pre-K cause we live in a very Jewish community. And so uh-huh. and it's funny cause I, it, it's like, I always find ways to always be the one that's different <laughs> in my the diversity. <laughs> yes. I think that's so important. And mm-hmm. the other day I went to his school to the JCC and they, the kids were playing with mm-hmm. black dolls. Great. That's and great. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. Like it was the first time that I had seen that happen in like an actual, I guess, you know, uh, daycare that I had seen. And I thought yeah. that, that, I was like, the world is changing. Yes. The world yes. is changing. Mm-hmm. And that's important because now it becomes, and, and I think part of why it is changing is because once, um, they opened up segregation and they started busing kids. Kids started going into neighborhoods and interacting with people of color. Before that, we were so segregated that it was like those people over there. So I think it's important to be inclusive. That's why if our children are playing with different dolls of different races, it's not gonna seem strange to them when they go to school or they go out in the world and there are people of different colors. Absolutely. It, It feels like this is society and it's normal. It's not scary. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And you know, one of the things that too, that the world is changing, because I heard that they had cast an African-American girl to play um, The Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for that movie to come out. Yes. yes. And That's a lot of people thing. were very upset about it. I know. Because Ariel had like the red hair yeah. and she was like, mm-hmm. you know, why didn't they put her? But I thought it was amazing because I was like, yes, that's another sign. The world is changing. Yes, absolutely. 100%. So that's another thing, watching television shows, watching movies, and watching movies that are all black casts. That's okay. Like, oh, absolutely. A lot, a, a lot of times, you know, and it's like, um, we'll watch movies that are all white, but we won't watch movies that are all black. So I think black people watch movies that are all white, but we don't go, we're not going to watch that because it's only white people. We should be watching everything. We should be learning about each other in all types of genres and all types of television shows. So making sure that black people are represented in entertainment is super important. Super important. Letting our children see black people in entertainment so that they're comfortable. Um, So knowing the history, um, buying diverse toys, um, paying attention to, this is a bit, this is maybe like a hard one and kind of subtle for parents, but if you have awareness, once you have awareness, you can see things. Um, just being aware of racial undertones in entertainment. Um, there's something called a dog whistle. A dog whistle is making a comment that's racial, but making it seem like it's not racial. Can you give us an example? Um, well, let's see. Uh, I'm sad to say, but our president does oh, it mm. all the time um, when he says things like, um, you know, there's a white nationalist and he says they're all good people. That's a dog whistle. That's saying, I approve of white nationalists without saying, I approve of white nationalists. Instead of saying, I don't condemn this. I mean, instead of saying, I condemn this. I condemn this, yeah. Um, In television, a lot of times portraying um, characters where uh, you'll see a movie and only black people are in service positions, maids, drivers, 
those types of that things. happens in the Latino culture completely. It's either the Latina is the maid or she's yeah. the hot girlfriend. That's about the two stereotypes we have as well. Yeah, the stereotypes, um, the undertones. Cartoons do it a lot when they portray. Um, you know, in cartoons, they'll have uh, say um, a wolf that'll have a old black man voice that'll make it sound like a black wolf is like a black man. Like they'll make like characters seem like slave type mentality. They're portrayed huh. that way. And a lot of times they'll use animals to portray. Because well, wolves are dangerous too. So yes. that also it's like a little bit of a, a brainwashing. Yes. You know, kind of like, I know you were on my live yesterday with Anthony when he was saying it's subtle in language, right? It's like a white lie is okay, but a black lie. And white magic is good, and black magic is bad. Yeah. And um, the hero wears white, and the villain wears black. black. It's it's all of these little undertones um, that you have to be aware of when your children are watching TV. And so watch what your children are watching, obviously. Know what they're watching, because it gets slipped in, and, and we don't notice it. So being aware of just racial undertones and things that they're watching on television and adding to that, Melanie, I want to say that one of the things that I think is super important is to not let people bring in like any types of jokes that are demeaning to any, in any race, any religion. Like in my household, that is not acceptable. I mean, I don't care yeah. who you are. I feel like when, when we permit jokes, and I get upset because in my culture, we have a lot of machista jokes, and mm -hmm. it's like they're so prevalent Mm -hmm. so prevalent that people don't even realize it. The people that are actually living in Latin America don't even realize how much of it is actually said through jokes. And it's ha 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 ha. And then I've got, you have no idea how many times I've gotten into arguments mm -hmm. with people. Cause I'm like, no, that's really not appropriate. Like, no, there's no Jewish jokes at my house. There's no black jokes at my house. There are no, you know, demeaning women jokes in my house. That's just not acceptable. Well, joking is a way to do something negative and get other people to be okay with it, especially when it comes to racism, sexism, and it keeps it alive. Totally. So I, I agree with you 100%. It's not okay. And it's not funny. No, it's not funny. It's not, it's it's not, not funny. funny. No. So um, I agree with that 100%. And then the other one that we were going to talk about is having um, a diverse group of friends and making sure your children have a diverse group of friends. But more importantly, I think it is, um, it's important that the parents have diverse friends. And oh, absolutely. I mean, you, I you, mean, you, cause it's your example. You know, a lot of times it's like, Oh my, my children have black playmates. Well, do you have black friends though? Do they see you interacting with black people? Do you go to black events? Like, do you go to black barbecues? Black people are super welcoming. Like, you can go to a black church and you will be welcomed. Oh my gosh. Very tight. I had a friend. I have a friend, Trina, in Cincinnati. When I lived in Cincinnati, she invited me to her Baptist church a couple times. Mm -hmm. And they have, like, four-hour sermons. Yeah. Like, we're yeah. not used to that, the Catholics. Yeah. We have, like, 45 minutes to an hour. We're done. Peace out. We're done. There were like four hours and I went there several times. I was the only white person there and I had never received so many hugs mm -hmm. in my life. Yeah. So uh, that's what I'm saying. Like 
insert yourself, <laughs> yeah. say, I'm going to go to this church and I'm going to introduce myself and get to know as many black people as you can and have those relationships. Don't hold yourself back. Don't be nervous or uncomfortable um, to have relationships with black people because our children learn by our example, not our words. It's not what we tell them. It's how we conduct ourselves. Yeah. So when you have a group of friends that are diverse, then your children are going to feel very comfortable with diverse group of friends as well. So Absolutely. That's, a, that's a huge, huge one. And something else about that when it comes to, you know, integrating um, more black people into your life, we're just people. We just want you to treat us normal. Like you treat all your other friends. Like we want you to treat our kids. Like you treat all the other kids in the neighborhood. If you would scold a kid for doing something, you scold our kid too. That's not racial. If you would hug a child, you can hug our child too. Like we just want to be regular, you know, and normal and part of America because we are part of America. And we don't want that side eye and that suspicion and that wondering is something bad or wrong with them because they're a person of color. Yeah. That's what we want to change. And each parent can change that. And and really be open to people. And one other thing, and I've noticed this really gets, holds a lot of people up that are white when it comes to the racism talk. If you've had a negative experience with a black person, find it in your heart to forgive that experience and let it go because a lot of people hold on to a negative experience and they say to themselves, all black people are like this person that I had this negative experience with. I see it so much. I have a lot of conversations and People start off fighting, fighting, fighting me. And then I'll ask them, I'll say, what happened to you to make you feel this way? And then they'll always tell a story. A white person, I mean, a black person mugged me or a black person jumped me or a black person humiliated me. Or, and so that becomes their narrative for black people. But remember this, one black person being negative does not mean that is the entire race the same way that one white person being racist or negative does not represent the entire race. Take each person by each person and don't make that the narrative of an entire race. So forgive. Um, I, I say this when I hear that something negative happened. I'm so sorry that happened to you. That should never happen to anyone. And I say that to white people and to black people because it's true. No one should ever be mistreated. So if a black person tells their story, all you have to say in response is, I'm so sorry that happened to you. That should have never happened to anyone. And I do not condone that type of behavior. That's it. There's so much wisdom in that. There's so much wisdom in it because there's so much needs to be healed here in what we're talking about. And, um, it's funny how humans do that. We, we have one bad experience with one type of person and we automatically mm -hmm. put all of those people in one category. Yeah. And group them all together. And almost after that, it's almost like we put them through a filter and then we don't yes. let them actually show up the way they really are because we're seeing them through that lens or through that filter. Yes. You know, Valentina, what, um, what I try to do in my life, like I've, I've mastered this ability to love everyone, even people who don't treat me well, I can still love them. And the way that I could do that is I remember this. Everyone is a spirit. This body that we carry around is just a covering. It's our car. 
It's not, it's not yes. who we are. It's just, it's just our mobility unit, right? Our meat suit, as Anthony calls it. And I remember beneath this meat suit is a heart and a spirit and light. We are light energy that is vibrating and experiencing life. And I remember everybody's heard that song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let, let it shine. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's what everyone is trying to do. So teach your children to see the light in people. <sighs> teach them to look for the light. That's how we will change this world. Teach them to allow others to shine their light and for them to shine their own light. Because that's what we all are. We are all light and we are all love and if we see that in each other we'll bring more of that out in each other so absolutely because i think that light shine let that light shine because all the all sorts of discrimination it all stems i always say it stems from insecurities yes when you're a confident person yeah you don't want to push your brother or sister down you want to lift you want to lift other people up because you're like i feel good i want you to feel as good as i feel come with me i want you to be where i'm at yes yes yeah um, and also it's a mentality of scarcity, right? Somebody's going to take something, they're going to get what's coming to me and I'm better than them. So I don't want them to have it, but this is an abundant universe. There's enough for everyone. There's more than enough for everyone. We don't have to play the scarcity game. Oh, we could do a whole episode with Melanie on abundance. That's like one of your specialty <laughs> topics. <laughs> yes, yes. It's true though. It's true though. That's a big part of it. People feel like they're being self-protective. You don't need to protect Mm -mm. yourself. Mm -mm. There's enough for all of us. There's enough love. There's enough land. There's enough everything for everyone. And so we can all be inclusive, but it really is about seeing a spirit and dropping the judgment. Um, And children see the light in each other. And we have to encourage that and um, increase the light, turn up the volume on the light. Turn up the volume on the light. Oh, my God. Yes, yes, yes. Um, And another thing I want to say is I I appreciate so much you and people like you who are voicing up, who are standing up and saying, I'm part of this conversation. I'm not going to be silent anymore. I'm not going to ignore what's happening. I'm getting in the conversation. That's what's changing it. It's so encouraging. My heart is just bursting, seeing how many people are finally saying, we are ending this in this country. This is no more, no more. I'm an optimist. I think I really do see that the world has changed. I see the difference from, from when I was young. I mean, I do think that we progress as humans. I know some people think that things are going to stay the same. No, I think already our, we're different from our parents. Our parents were different from our grandparents. Little by little, you know, we're going to get there. And we do have to be that that change that we want to see in the world. Otherwise things just stay the same or they can go backwards. Yes, exactly. And so I know it's uncomfortable right now, but we're, we're birthing, right? We're birthing something new. Like we're mamas on this call, right? (sighs) Remember our labor, our labor, even though it was painful, it yielded our beautiful children. It was worth the labor. Let's make it worth the labor. Let's birth a new society. Let's birth a new narrative, a new perspective. And Amen. we're going to have to go, through, we're going through some labor pains to get there, but it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. From your mouth to God's ear. Yes. From our yes. mouth to God's ear. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I think you, you mamacitas have a lot to, 
to digest and take with you. And there's a lot of learning that we both need to do. And, and like you said, when we have diverse friendships, there's no room for, for, for hatred because you get to know another person from a different, you get to know the world from a different perspective. Yeah. And I always say, go ahead. It's true. You're right. One of the things I want to say, because you just reminded me, it's the mamas on here. I want, I want you mamas to think about this. It's going to make me cry. So I'm going to take my glasses off so I can deal with it. Um, When George Floyd was dying, he called for his mama. I know. And his mom's been dead. And he, and he called for his mama. That's the power we have. That's the power mothers have. Our love is the most pure love there is. And our grown children, when they're hurting and they're sad, they believe in us. They reach for us their entire life. Think about it. Think about yourself. When you're scared, you think of your mama. You think your mama can fix everything, don't you? you yeah, you just want a hug you. from your mama. Absolutely. Yeah. You just need your mama. We're the mamas. We're the mamas. So we have power in what we put into our children. It is our job to put the good stuff in there. Absolutely. And it's their job to use it. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So put the good stuff in your babies. Even if you don't understand it, you are creating the future. I think that's so powerful. Absolutely. And we, we forget how much power we have. We have so much power power in our children and the way they think and the way that, you know, you put poison in there, poison comes out. We need to put that love in there. So that love comes out. And they're watching us. They're watching our example. And even if you don't know something, even if you're wrong, there's power in admitting that to your children, saying to your children, I don't have all the answers and I don't know everything and I'm still learning and I'm still growing. Because you're teaching them that they're always going to be learning and they're always going to be growing. And they don't have to become egoic and say, I know everything and I'm the parent. Like we, we can't parent that way anymore. We can't be like children are seen and not heard. These children today came to change the world. So we have to step up our mama game too. We got to step up our mama game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we have to lead differently than our parents led. And we have to lead through vulnerability and open hearts. That's our true gift right now to our children. Yeah, so, I know parents that don't apologize to their children when they do something wrong, but I, I, yeah. I think we have to make it a point, you know, to show our children that we acknowledge when we know we've done something wrong. Because they're going to model us. Exactly. They're going to model us, and we want them to be able to apologize when they've done something wrong. Absolutely. Right? So there's a lot of power mamas. And so even if you don't know the right thing in this conversation, Google what books you can read, educate yourself, watch, watch videos, listen to podcasts, like get in the conversation. It's okay. If you have older children, they're asking you questions and you don't know the answer. Say, I don't know. And I don't know that much about this, but I'm going to learn and I'm going to figure it out. You're teaching them even in your not knowing it's okay. Just go to love, go to spirit. Yeah. Remember your spirit. So you can change it anytime you want. By the way, Mamacitas, Melanie does these amazing lives every day. Can you tell them your, I know it's like at the amazing, I love your, 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 <laughs> you so, gotta, um, yes. Um, a little more to follow I, I want to tell you about that a little bit. So, um, 
My lives are every day at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time um, at my on my Instagram channel. My handle is Melanie at Melanie the Amazing Clark. The Amazing Clarks is my husband and I our brand together for relationship coaching. But when the pandemic started and um, I was home, not working, I just kept meditating and asking spirit how I could serve. How can I serve? How can I serve? How can I help people during this time? I just kept, that was my meditation. That was my prayer. And I waited and I listened for the answer and the answer came and my spirit was very clear. My spirit said, uh, go live on Instagram every day and teach people how to connect with their spirit. Teach the basics of spirituality. Okay. (laughs) I'm obedient. Um. I'm obedient when it comes to spirit. Gave me the name. Team spirit, because I do a lot of team meetings and with groups. And so it said, do a team meeting like you do in your work. Do it on Instagram for spirit. So I called it team spirit team meeting. I just got on and started talking about, I I was given a list of things to talk about. I went on and I just started talking about, you have a spirit, how to connect, how to get guidance, how to hear the voice of spirit. And um, the first week, it just, people just are coming on like crazy and they're supporting each other, loving each other, growing together. And it's been absolutely amazing. No, they're Uh, amazing. I mean, I've listened to some of them. I listen to them. I cry with you. I laugh with you. (laughs) (laughs) But it's me just sharing knowledge and being authentic and giving people the space to share and be authentic. I always ask a question. I'm giving an exercise. Like I'm a coach. So I want to coach people and help them get closer to love and recognize what we really are. We're not this meat suit people. Mm -mm. We're spirits. And so my team meetings are really helping people to recognize the divinity within themselves. And it's been a gift to me. Like I'm so grateful that I listened to spirit and started doing them and taking the time to do them. So um, and Melanie, you, you coach professionals like doctors and, and they're like the best, they're our life coach. I'm just going to say, I'm going to say that when Mark and I have issues, we're like, I'm like, call Melanie. Okay. She'll know what to do. <laughs> and Anthony, her husband, yes. the ultimate power couple. Yes. Yes. And we, we love the work we do. We've been coaching for about 25 years. Like before life coaching was even like a thing, a thing. we started coaching because Like I said, I grew up in such a uh, negative childhood that I learned personal development for myself. I had a lot of depression. I was super shy. Uh, I went through a divorce. I was married to a Hispanic man that was very machismo. (laughs) Oh, gosh. For about 10 years. So I had low self-esteem after the divorce. So. I, I learned everything I teach. I learned and applied to myself to make my life better. So I know that it works and I love it. I love helping people. And it's beautiful because you could take negative experiences. I love what you said. You had, you, you are able to realize that you had a lot of negativity in your life and you were a, but you were able to learn from it. And I think that's the key. Cause a lot of times we go through all these horrible things and we are not opening our eyes to learning. Okay. How can I learn from this experience to move forward? That's literally the key in life. If you can go through something really awful and come out on the other end saying, I learned this, I learned this, I learned that. Well, then it was valuable. Yes. But that's how life works and unfolds, isn't it? 
We have a negative experience, we learn from it, we grow. Then we, we ride the wave a little bit and we feel good and things go well, Whoop. and then we fall off the wave again. And then there's another negative experience that we've learned and we grow and then we up on the wave again and we're feeling good again, like that's life. And if we don't personalize that, and we don't become bitter and we don't say life is not fair and uh, you know things are just happening to me we just say how can i learn and grow from this and change what i can change and give more and love more like if we keep the whole process going we can get better and better and that's what i've been able to do with it i recognized once i learned um, how to love myself that every experience i've had has been so important because it's made me who i am and i love who i am so i can't take any of that away I can always grow and get better and expand, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful for it all. It's super yes. So yes. That's the attitude. attitude that's the attitude. Right? Absolutely. Turning our dramas into ganas. Because in yes. Spanish, ganas means drive. So turning your yes. dramas into your drive. I love that. I love that. That's so great. Well, thank you so thank much you. for having me. And thank you so much. the light that you are in the world. I see you and I love you so much. And I, I love, love you. And your family so much. I send you guys so much love and um, thank you again. Same here. Thank you, Melanie. I'd love to know your thoughts on today's episode. Go to mamasconganas.com forward slash 35 and join the conversation. How do you as a mother help eliminate the cycle of racism in your family? And how do you raise loving and tolerant children in your home? It's Valentina. Espero te gustó este episodio de nuestro podcast. If you liked it, or if any of our content has inspired you in any way, I'd be ever so grateful if you showed some amorcito by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Every single review will help us reach more mamacitas so they can live their life con muchas ganas. It's because of you, our listeners, that we're able to create contenido para otras Latinas. Un millón de gracias por suscribirte, escuchar y compartir nuestro podcast. Si tienen preguntas, comentarios y más, pueden visitar nuestra página web mamasconganas.com or follow us on social media at mamasconganas. You can also write me directly at info at mamasconganas.com. Hasta la próxima. Es Valentina recordándote, don't be a mama con drama. Mm -mm. Let's be mamas con ganas. Besitos.